Warning, the following show doesn't represent the opinion of CIBL, UFV, its employees, or the local clown college. Oh, and the theme song is pretty explicit. Enjoy the show. <laughs> All right, hi, I'm James Randian. I took left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist, atheist, atheist. From the Abbey Road Studios of CIVL 101.7 FM at UFV in Abbotsford, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and although I can't buy me love, I am your host. Joining me as usual is the rest of the Fab Four team that will twist and shout their way into Come Together for Atheism. Our hard day's night of history, Nancy. Hi! Or I never saw her standing there of skepticism, Tyler. Hey, that was a blind joke. <laughs> Our ticket to ride behind the board, Martina. Here we go again. <laughs> guys, welcome back. Yeah, um, so, um, guys, I hope you had a... Uh, while my guitar sings, or my guitar gently weeps, let's chit-chat a bit. So, um, you guys hear about the uh, death of Muhammad Ali? Yeah, I did. It's all over Facebook. Yeah, yeah. The, the great one of boxing has uh, passed at 74. And uh, he certainly has... Uh, um, a quite a legacy to, to to fill, big shoes to fill. Hey guys, welcome to the studio. Headphones are right there, and the microphones right in front of you. And um, oh, by the way, um, you remember how we uh, were looking at the uh, TWU, uh, the Trinity Western University uh, report, because they are uh, they're trying to get the uh, a law school. Well, our friend Ian Bushfield basically basically sent us a report, and let me uh, write a few uh, write read a few uh, of the highlights. This is from Ian Bushfield, because right now the, uh, the Law Society and the, uh, it's, it's gone to court, right? So this case centered on whether the Law Society of BC has the authority to refuse or approve a proposed law school at Trinity Western University. We've talked about this on the show before. TWU is an ev- evangelical private school which requires all of its students to sign a community covenant. That uh, document requires students to abstain, both on and off campus, from sexual relations outside of heterosexual marriage. This provision officially bars LGBTQ students from accessing these potential law seats. The covenant also requires students to uphold the sanctity of life, which discriminates against women's reproductive freedom. The Law Society has initially approved the law school, but um, it reversed that decision following a referendum of its members, who are practicing lawyers across the province. CWU challenged that rejection of the BC Supreme Court and won on administrative grounds in December. Essentially, the court ruled the Law Society messed up, uh, how it made the decision, uh, but the ruling didn't really go into human rights issues at play. Meanwhile, the Law Societies of Ontario and Nova Scotia also rejected the law school. The Law Society appealed the B.C. Supreme Court decision, and those hearing begins this week. So our friend Ian Bushfield was there. Um, their lawyer, which is uh, T- uh, Tim Dixon, was the first to intervene to speak. He presented the arguments over the limits of religious freedom should be drawn. Basically, the argument came down to two points. Basically, the Law Society and, or any law school with a mandatory religious code said to have that is open to students of all faith and none. It is uh, not just a community evangelical Christian or Muslim, Jews, etc., etc. By having mandatory code of conduct, the school in effect coercing these students into living the Christian standard that violates their students' rights to freedom in essence and no one's belief can compel another student's. Um... The Christian Legal Fellowship was concerned with the rights of Christian students who wanted to go to TWU and that rejecting the school would lead to law society rejecting any Christian applicants. So in other words, they're fighting back. You guys have any thought on what's going on with the uh, Trinity Western University? Um, Yeah, my uh, wife grew up directly across the street from there and they had uh, students living with them. And they all basically went to that school and a whole bunch of her friends have gone to the Trinity School as well. Um, and they, she, she went to White Rock Christian, I think it's called, and a lot of her friends did. They went from White Rock Christian, and they went to Trinity, basically. Mm-hmm. And they, even in, like, elementary school, they had to write a thing, you know, saying, I believe this about Christianity, I be-, just to go to, like, an elementary school. 
and they had them out, you know, holding up anti-abortion uh, pick picketing and stuff like that, even though they had no idea what abortion was, and they just drill it into you. Like, they're already at that mentality before they go to Trinity, so it's just kind of an extension of that. Yeah, it's becoming quite common, right? Uh, you hear a lot of stories in the States, for example, um, What's his name? Ken Ham building the Ark uh, down in Kentucky. You know, he makes you sign if you're going to go work for the guy. He makes you sign a waiver saying that you have to profess that you that you believe in uh, in, in the Christian God and Jesus and all that. Yeah, same it's with horrendous. like Answers in Genesis um, Institution for Creation Research. The website mm-hmm. creation.com. If you actually look at their faith statements, it's you have to believe this, and if any evidence contradicts this belief, it must be false. Yeah, and it exactly. straight up says that. It basically <laughs> says the Bible contradicts no, where, no matter what the science says. Yeah. Which, is, which is okay, because it's a religious school, and you know people who have that faith it can go to that school, and they're entitled to do what they want. I mm-hmm. think the, the main point is that when, um, when their policies butt up against uh, secular um, rules, regulation, policies. I'm trying to. I'm fighting for the right word. Mm-hmm. Then either they they have to go along with non-discrimination and the, the secular society, or they have to change. I, do you think they're going to win? No, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think I, so. I, I don't. But they, they I are. Don't. Uh, they are a hundred percent entitled to believe anything they want to believe. But when they they want to have a law school that's influenced by religion that is contrary to what the rest of the society believes, then I, I, I don't think they're entitled to have the law school. Well, and you said that didn't work in Ontario, right? It, well, yeah. They, g- they got turned down. In yeah, 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 yeah. It, uh, Ontario. Uh, I want to make sure. Scotia, Nova Scotia. Didn't they get turned yeah, down? Nova yeah, Scotia. Nova Scotia. The, the problem with that is they're, they're arguing that it's already being done in the States as well. And we know the results of that. You know, you look at uh, Brigham Young University. You look at uh, Liberty University. The, these... <sighs> For lack of a better term, papier mâché schools because mm. they're really not worth. A what do they call them? Mill schools or something? Yeah, like? they're, they're they're really not worth. You know, you get a, a, a degree from some of these schools, it, you kind of laughed out of the profession almost. Right? Just, just imagine if we had the opposite. Like if we started a school and said you have to be pro LGBT and you have to be pro choice or you can't go to the school, they would lose their minds. I think you get a very good point there. Yeah, but anyway, moving on. No, no wait, you got to go back to the Muhammad Ali thing. Oh, I will, and I will bring that later on the show, okay. because today we're doing a show on cycling with diversity and racism, and we have a returning guest, our good friend, Ken Harar. Hey, Ken. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. Let's let's give this guy an applause. <laughs> let's give this guy an applause, right? All right. Stand He's back go. in studio. Yeah. Exactly. We're too lazy to yeah, clap ourselves, right. so we have a button. <laughs> <laughs> and you brought a friend as well with you. Yeah, Anne-Marie and... She's our executive coordinator. Uh, excellent. Our oh. director, or what do you call yourself? <laughs> well, welcome to Left of the Valley, guys. Uh, and uh, you guys are sticking with us for the show, so that's going to be great. Feel free to interject whenever segments we have. But Nancy, are you just about ready to go? I am just Let, about. Let's set you up. And we're ready for this day in history, which is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between May 30th and June 5th. May 31st was World No Tobacco Day, so hopefully anybody who was uh, smoking made a good decision to stop. Speak closer to your mic, dear. Oh, okay, here we go. All right, then 1997, is that better? Yeah, that's better. Am I good? Okay. May 31st, in 1997, the Confederation Bridge opened, linking Prince Edward Island with the mainland of New Brunswick. And anybody been across that bridge? No, but I believe it's one of the longest bridges in the world. Yeah, it's awesome. June 1st uh, was a victory day in Tunisia, and in 1869, the voting machine was patented by none other than Thomas Edison, who I think invented just about everything except water, didn't he? I th- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, from, from everything you look in terms of the patents, he was, he was there for almost We could certainly day. have some arguments with that. Yeah. <laughs> 1908, on June 1st, a guy named John Crone began a walk around the perimeter of the U.S., and it took 357 days. So John Albert Crone had the idea of how to make money on this trip, and he'd push a wheelbarrow, and 
keep his belongings in it, and he'd write about all his adventures and keep all his journals in the wheelbarrow. So Wait a minute, he's having w- adventures with a wheelbarrow? With a wheelbarrow. <laughs> I know, he walked. And I thought my life was dull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he started off and ended from Portland, Maine, and it took him 9,024 miles, wore out 11 pair of shoes, 121 pair of socks, and three rubber tires. He kept that wheelbarrow in good condition. Um, In 1927, the Peace Bridge between U.S. and Canada opened, uh, and that connects Buffalo to Fort Erie, Ontario. Anybody been across that bridge? No. No? Man, oh man, we're bridge... We're we're not bridge people. We're impoverished here. I I don't go east. I don't go east. It's too cold. Oh, okay. I could be considered a bridge troll, but that's about it. Okay. June the 2nd is Isabel Province Day in the Solomon Islands, and... Uh, Kevin, uh, guys, you remember a couple of days, uh, a couple of shows back, I gave you the choice of a political story or a golf story. Yes. And everybody chose the political story. Yeah. And so I said, partly sarcastically and partly in humor, you should have chosen the golf story. You just wanted to tell the golf story, (laughs) didn't you? Just admit it. Well, on June 2nd, there was a part of the golf story that took place. Actually, it's the main part. So I get to tell the golf story. Okay. Let's go with the golf story. We're going with the golf story. (laughs) Okay, back in 1901, there were laws in place that prohibited playing sports on Sundays. A lot of places, you know, prohibited shopping on Sundays, but anything that was any fun was generally prohibited by the Methodists on Sunday. So included on this was golf. And so um, on in May. Um, in Yonkers, New York, at Skeagle Golf Course, uh, a group of people were uh, arrested, and one of them was a gentleman whose name was um, Bra- Benjamin Adams. So he was arrested, and his trial came up on June the 2nd for um, flagrantly uh, uh, ignoring the laws of no sports, no golf, on Sunday. So the trial was just absolutely, you'd think it would be a dull trial, bang bang, you're guilty, but it wasn't. Hold on so, a sec, you're saying this guy was arrested and put to trial because he was having fun on Sunday? He was. and He wasn't from Vancouver, obviously. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was just across the country and, and one country south in Yonkers, New York, USA. So the day of the trial comes, and so one of the things, of course, that the, and it was a jury trial. So one of the guys who was arrested with him, but they were they were let go, uh, was a was a member of that that golf club, and so he was summoned for duty, and he walks in to the court with his golfing attire, <laughs> with knickers, <laughs> and golf shoes, the hat, the, you know, the, 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 the sweater, the whole thing, and he gets into court winking at, the, at uh, Benjamin Adams' attorney. <laughs> so initially, the presiding judge was not amused. So he, he said, out. So this poor guy goes out, and he's not a member of, of the jury. So it turns out that this judge was the same judicial official who had ruled earlier on the enforcement of the ban on golf, as well as baseball. So he dismissed the juror, and things from the get-go were not going well. So the attorney for the for Adams was just furious and raised a whole host of objections, and, but the judge gaveled them all down, but the fireworks didn't end. So the uh, attorney contended that the game of golf was peaceful and therefore did not fall into the category of activities of disturbing the peace. And, and that was the real intent of the, the legislation. So the attorney made a motion for dismissal. That's denied. Then he argued that because the game was played on privately held club land, there was no danger of interfering with the public's right to enjoy a peaceful Sabbath. And they had the uh, the club president testify that the grounds were private, but not the judge doesn't care. Bang bang, rejected another plea for dismissal. So before the judge charged the jury, they finally got through most of this, and the judge uh, began to charge the jury, and he left out <laughs> he left out the part that had to do with on public property. He read the whole thing, but just for some reason skipped over the part that the this loophole. is applicable. So now the attorney raises, you know, another objection and the judge says, Oh, I'm so sorry and so they <laughs> 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 Wait, wait, no, good. Yeah, no, good. yeah. So 
finally, the uh, the rent of the jury. The jury was out like 45 minutes, and that was it. He was innocent. The interesting thing about this was that that was the first case that established the fact that religion and and uh, enjoyment on Sunday were not, you know, did not go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So that started the ability for sports to be played on Sunday. Now the interest, the fun part of this story to me is that Benjamin Adams was an attorney and he was also on the school board. So there's some question in my mind that this was kind of set up, you know, to be able to, to challenge, you know, in a, in, in, a legal, in a legal manner. So there's the golf story. Not as not as uh, you know exciting as some of the baseball stories, but still it's a kind of a cute story. Okay, June the the uh, the fourth was Tiananmen Square protests of eight, 1989, and then in 2014 there was a publication of a paperback that I think is particularly interesting given today's politics, and the publication is called the paperback was called Atheists Can't Be Republicans. If facts and evidence matter, pretty mm, yeah. That's mm. controversial. I wish, but I know a few. Yeah, two years ago, and it's it's um, coming up to be pretty relevant today. The the person that wrote it is a a person named C. J. Worleman, and Worleman is not an American. He's an Australian, but he's an atheist author, columnist, and U.S. political and social commentator. He's a critic of both the Christian right and the new atheists and the influence of corporate politics and social inequality. So he contends that atheists who are um, into modern U.S. conservative ideology are hanging on to ideas that have either been proven mythical at worst or remain unproven at best. And if atheists applied the same litmus test to their political ideology as they do to theology, then clearly an atheist cannot be a Republican. What do you think? That should say skeptic. There's yeah. tons of atheists out there who are not skeptics, and it's using that word as in place of the word skeptic. I know lots of atheists who believe stupid things. I was talking to one the other day who believes in ghosts. Like, why are you looking at me when you said that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly. Anyway, I think if anybody you know is interested, uh, if they can you know, get that book and read it before they... Uh, even think about voting for Trump if you're in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, should, it should say skeptics yeah. can't yeah. be Republican. Although, yeah. although uh, the uh, president of American Atheist, David Silverman, he's a, he's a conservative. Yeah, I mean, conservative, I guess, is, the, well, I don't know, the conservative party has been hijacked, so what you call conservative today was not the same conservative in the, in the 1950s, per se. Mm -hmm. At any rate, that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, unusual and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Thank you, Nancy. You're that was welcome. another <laughs> brilliant uh, This Day in History. Uh, Mike Michael Sherman is a libertarian. When I found that out, that completely blew my mind. And yet, you still have a functioning mind. <laughs> it wasn't completely blown, was it? And we'll be right back right after this. You are listening to CIVL 101.7 FM at the University of the Fraser Valley's Abbotsford campus, serving the surrounding communities of Abbotsford, Mission, and Chilliwack, British Columbia. Email us at info at civl.ca Follow us on Facebook. Click like on CIVL Radio. Follow CIVL on Twitter at CIVL underscore radio. Are you ready to make it stop? Canada has the highest rates of Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis in the world, and the diseases are on the rise in kids under 10. Join Crohn's and Colitis Canada on Sunday, June 5th for the Gutsy Walk at over 60 community walks across Canada. It's time to stop the pain, stop the surgeries, stop the missed moments. Sunday, June 5th, show you've got the guts to make it stop. Register today at gutsywalk.ca. Do you miss the classic Johnny K? Hi there, Johnny K here, reminding you that the Vinyl Spinner lives on Wednesday nights from 6 to 10 here on CIVL 101.7 Frequency Modulation. Hi there, Nurse Katie here, reminding you that the Vinyl Spinner lives on Wednesday nights from 6 to 10 here on Civil Radio. Hi there, Willie Knott's here, reminding you that the Vinyl Spinner lives on Wednesday nights from 6 to 10 here on Civil Radio. Yay! Yay! 
anti-Semitism was preached as an official doctrine of the church until 1964. Do you think that might have something to do with public opinion in Austria and Bavaria and Poland and Lithuania? That the, the Jewish people were accused collectively as a people of deicide, of the crime of the murder of God in the figure of Jesus of Nazareth. And that, that anathema on them was not lifted until 64, well after the uh, perpetrators of the Holocaust had stood trial in secular courts and been rightly punished for their actions. How can this church say it has any moral superiority? It has difficulty catching up to what ordinary people regard as common moral and ethical sense, and it still can't make itself apologize properly. And we're back. We're here today with Ken Harar and his friend. I'm sorry, your name again, dear? I'm so bad with names. Anne-Marie Shadeen. Anne-Marie, thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys, for being here with us today. Well, we're going to go into our usual funny segment about religious news. Another brilliant Brilliant moment moment brought to you by religion. Perfect. Another brilliant moment. Did you know, (laughs) apparently, an Indonesian village mistook a sex doll for an angel from heaven? Yeah, I saw that. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, some villagers in Indonesia were disappointed to learn that an angel from heaven was actually a fancy sex toy. There's a report that a life-size inflatable sex doll was found by a 21-year-old fisherman on a beach in Bangai, I hope I said that right, right after a solar eclipse that had engulfed the region. Many Muslims in the country believe that the solar eclipse had spiritual significance. So when the young fisherman discovered the sex doll on the beach, he believed it was an angel that had descended from heaven. So the fisherman brought the angel home, where it was cared for by his parents. According to reports, the parents of the fisherman changed the angel's clothes every day, and the angel was given a special hijab. Villagers believe the sex doll, uh, you're having a hard time containing yourself here, <laughs> was a bidadari, a type of angel or spirit. In addition, uh, unverified stories about how the angel was found, stranded and crying, spread throughout the village. As news spread about the angel and local villagers buzzed about the supernatural occurrence, the talk caught the attention of the area police, who went to visit the so-called angel. Only then did they discover, uh, did everyone discover it was an inflatable doll. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> the room fell quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Words fail me for a minute. Yeah, well, well I, I find what's interesting about this article is how the myth of it spread so quickly. This is obviously not a normal person. Well, and yeah, but to, but to you know, sort of parallel to this, it's like seeing the face of the Madonna on toast. It depends on your orientation and what your previous belief mm-hmm, mm-hmm. system is, and you know the fact. In a way, it's it's really kind of precious that they that, that it was a benign thought. You know, that it was an angel, that it was a good spirit, that it was something that would be helpful to them rather than, than seeing what it, what it actually is. It's, it's kind of a naive, nice um, well, yeah, mistake. But, uh, f- fine, but what I, fi- what I find interesting about this is you, you have obviously a lifeless object. Okay, well, you think it's an angel, fine. But all of a sudden, rumors, like, like I said in the, in the article, uh, rumors of the angel was found stranded and crying. The angel, the, the inanimate object, quote-unquote angel, is already doing actions which we know are literally impossible, but the mythology spreads so quickly. Well, and the interesting thing about that is that what you'll hear from like Christian apologists and whatnot is that with the Jesus thing, it couldn't, myths couldn't have arisen that quickly. Exactly. We have plenty of other examples like St. Genevieve and, and, yeah. what, and whatnot. But. This, 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 this is like report this day and age just happened last month so imagine if this report would have come out these myths would have been kept on going for a couple decades a couple generations what would that angel have been doing all this time and the argument is that saint paul was writing roughly 20 years after jesus quote-unquote died right yeah and they say oh 20 years wasn't long enough 20 years 20 days 20 hours is long enough we had a month yeah Yeah. we had a month here and all of a sudden this 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 doll is already crying and doing stuff so it just shows that, you know, human imagination uh, goes a long way. But anyway, thank you so much for your thoughts on that. No critical thinking classes in the Indonesian schools, <laughs> eh? Apparently. 
Ken, welcome mm. back. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Kip. You were actually on our show, like one of the first shows we <coughs> did, mm. and you were a fantastic guest. Is that right? We're yeah. glad to have you back. Thank you. Now, I tried really fi- hard to find my Cycling for Diversity shirt, yeah. but I think I lost it in a move when I moved uh, from oh, uh, Mission right? Abbotsford, so yeah. I'm really, really sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, for, I guess, uh, maybe people that didn't listen to the last show, would you be so kind to give us, like, the Reader's Digest mm. version of you guys and mm-hmm. how you came to be? Well, no, I don't want the conception mythology here. I just want yeah. <laughs> Well, my mommy and my daddy. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 we don't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> cycling for Diversity started in 2011, um... A small group of us cycled throughout the Lower Mainland, talking to kids about racism, diversity, and ways that we can be more inclusive in our schools, in our communities. Um, so we finished the first ride in 2011 and had a great response, and um, I was encouraged to continue on, and we gathered a team, and we've been doing, th- we just completed our sixth year, mm-hmm. done over well over 100 schools, um, made a lot of new friends. And originally you're a reporter, you're a uh, freelance journalist. Yes. Yeah, so we do, and you, yeah, I know your your column col- uh, talks about multiculturalism a That's lot. Right. Yeah, so the f- general focus is about you know trying to celebrate our diversity, but are we struggling with our diversity, you know, um, in ways we can be more inclusive, mm-hmm. or are we just talking about it? And, and so we try to you know uh, spark a little bit of a conversation so people know you know like diversity is a kind of an interesting word right people just kind of say well yeah i believe in it but they don't really practice it in their um in their lives like you don't see it right you know so i totally uh, agree and this is why i also wanted to bring the uh, the unfortunate passing of uh, muhammad ali mm-hmm. um, i know he's a sports legend mm-hmm. uh, everybody talks about you know float like a butterfly sling, sting like a bee right yeah, yeah. but i think his bigger a contribution to history will be how he fought for multiculturalism. Yeah, you know, I, well, heard, I heard he, I heard he was quite racist actually. Mm. I saw that this morning, so I was going to well, ask you guys about it on the way out the door. So, mm. well, I wouldn't say he was racist. He stood up for what he believed in, right? You know what I mean? There's, a, you know, it just he stood up for what he believed in, and uh, no, I don't, I don't think he was racist either. Although he, he, I think he was exposing. He, uh, he was one of the first ones to expose publicly, I think, to the states the systematic uh, racism that occurs in the states, especially towards the black community, well, Muslim community, right? Well, not just well, Muslim black, or black. black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, he was there at the time of. Uh, uh, the uh, he he fought against the draft for Vietnam mm-hmm. and you know and, and there, there are plenty of uh, of uh, reporting of him talking about there's this one uh, clip I was watching where he's talking about you know there's a thousand rattlesnakes and they're coming at me should I not close the door or should I just leave the door open in the hopes that the 100 good rattlesnakes will take care of the rest yeah you know and the, the, he was very controversial but I think sure. he, I think he put focus on that and I mm-hmm. think I think hopefully. That'll be his bigger legacy than what we see him as a boxer. Absolutely, yeah. There's a big write-up in the province today too, in the front page. So I encourage people to read it. You know, yeah. the, the province. That's, yeah. that's some kind of newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's still hanging on, right? It's still <laughs> hanging on. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, I guess uh, cycling for diversity. You guys started in 2011. Mm-hmm. You did the first bike, uh, first bike ride. And it's it's kind of progressing over time. Sure. And you guys are doing it again this year. Yeah, we just completed it a couple of weeks ago or two weeks ago. Oh, you completed it. Yes. Right. Jeez, so, I missed it. So the province declares Cycling for Diversity Week. Oh, uh, nice. From May twenty second to May twenty eighth, uh, last month, oh. and uh, we did our ride. We did the three day ride. We visited about a dozen schools. Um, and uh, that's a note for this day in history. Right? Yeah. You know, it's not. It's just not the bike ride. It's about the message, Kevin. Mm-hmm. How we uh, talk to kids about diversity. You know, we this year we went to some of the rural communities and got to hear some of the stories there. And uh, the kids say, "Yeah, racism still exists in their eyes." So you know, it's interesting to see what they have to say to make our communities better. Because as being a columnist and being a you know a South Asian, you know, I I I I hear it and I can feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, it's it's still out there in in, in our communities. We. Um, but racism is not just a one-way street. It has many different fragmentations. It, it comes at you at all different angles, right? From you know, it's, and it's not just uh, one group of people against another. It's everybody has it. Yeah. You know, we all have tendencies to have biases or racism thoughts towards things. 
Yeah, I think I, th- I think it's tribalism is what we would mm. d- define it as. So, so what changes have you have you seen from 2011 that um, either either bad or good or that you're proud of that mm-hmm. uh, you, you helped to start? What what kind of changes can you let us know about? Well, some of the changes that come to mind are um, we get kids thinking about it, and the, you know some of these kids are pretty young, right? So, like, uh, uh, and a lot of these kids have experienced racism at school. They you know they stand up and share their story. It's not about we, we, we want to listen to them too, right? So they want to, and then they can expose it to the whole school, like, how can we make it better? So some of them say, oh, we've been bullied in the parking lot or by, you know, by other students and stuff like that. So, um, have you seen any changes in the curriculum or in, in policies or procedures from the teachers or from staff? Have, they, in, have, have you recommended any changes that you no. see they carry through? Okay. No, I haven't seen any changes, yeah. but, but they've been very open after hosting us to come to their school. Which is great. Which is a great start. Step. Which Absolutely. is essentially what you do at Cycling for Diversity. Yeah. You're not just going out for a bike ride, though. You're actually no. going to schools and you're actually no, talking yeah. to the kids. We try to have a conversation about what, and then I, expo- then I tell them about my experiences, and they kind of shocked. You know, like, uh, you know, like, South Asians weren't allowed to go to a Christmas party. You, you remember that, right? That's kind of mm-hmm. how it started when I, but over the years, I was hearing more and more of, you know, people emailing me, you know, my column in the newspaper and uh, saying, you know what, racism is out there. And a lot of them are concerned about that South Asians don't want to mix with the general population. Yes, yes. So, you know, as being South Asian myself, you know, I do see it. And that was a concern that I had to address, too, because the community has grown, you know, a lot over the decades. I was often told by, by people of Caucasian descent, obviously, that um, South Asians and uh, Asians in general seem xenophobic. Mm. I, I, I don't know. It's probably a pitiful attempt to put the blame on them. Mm. But uh, is that something you hear often yourself? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think generally, um, uh, you know, the South Asian community can be very, very giving. They're very involved in the community. But oh, we have, you know, I'm not trying to pick on one community. Oh, but of course not. A lot of them are you can new pick on me though. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of them are new immigrants as well. Like they come, and, you know. So it's you know, diversity is a new concept, right? It's just mm-hmm. like you know, trying to make new friends and all that stuff is not easy. But um, work work remains, and we need um, the the community response has been great, and the, and their support. Like I mean, wherever we go, people say, well, you know what, we believe in cycling for diversity and the message, and we have an incredible team. Um, you know, and Anne here has done an amazing job in in trying to building this organization and the team and the message. And, but also staying with new ideas as well because the message is always changing. You know, there's always new things you encounter and, and stuff mm. like that. So, um, okay, I'm 100% blind. So when you yeah. say South Asian, what does that mean exactly? Um, well, uh, generally people from India or no, Indian like origin. India. Like for you, where are you from? Well, my parents are from uh, um, India, India. Punjab, but I'm born here. Yeah, we're born and raised here. So yeah, he's, he's talking. Uh, yeah, Indian, Sri Lankan. Yeah, um, yeah, that whole region, right? Yeah, Camel. It's, it's, it's loosely defined, really. I mean, what's Ax- South Asian and Asian? What exactly? I mean, yeah, I was thinking are. Vietnamese or something, right? Yeah. No, so. I think those would probably be more under the Asian. I think racism is probably a lot different from my perspective because you don't have an accent, right? Mm. So no, no, I, no, I can't tell. <laughs> I could do one. <laughs> <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> well, I just I just wanted to see Actually, Anne isn't really Anne isn't better than I do. I just wanted to see if you were I just wanted to see if you were Chinese or Japanese. Be careful what I say cuz you must know martial arts if you were. Right? Oh, yeah. so <laughs> oh stereo, stereo But no, I do have a, a question here is yeah. that I've noticed a correlation it may not be causation, but mm-hmm. I find that the people who are the most racist mm-hmm. are people who don't or reject or just don't understand evolution either. I think mm. that's a big thing. You think so? Yeah. Well, I've that, never made I've n- that I have noticed, that, like I said, correlation does not necessarily no, no, mean causation, not. but it's just funny when people are racist, you know, against black people specifically because mm-hmm. they were the first race. Yeah. Right? I, 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 I always find it funny when I was telling you the other day. Uh, it's uh, like being anti-tan. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you ever see um, Remember the Titans, that Denzel Washington movie? I you know and I never saw that movie. Okay, well they have it. That's what it, it's about racism. Black people and white people playing football together, mm-hmm. and the one black guy is talking about the white guy, and he's like, 
uh, he's just a light-skinned brother, and I'm just a dark cracker. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was a very, it was a very an anti-racism movie, so I definitely like like the movie and they use a the football setting, and it was really good. But that's maybe that's one thing that we should talk to young kids about in school, especially mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like biology mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Be like, there is only one race. Yes, it's Homo sapiens. There was black people, and mm-hmm. then there was yeah the human you know, genome project established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. absolutely. And, and you know, I usually tell people that are people that are racist towards black people. You realize, you know, as Caucasians, we have a, there's a percentage of our DNA that actually comes from another human species than Neanderthals. When you're African from like dark black African from Africa. You're completely 100% yeah. Homo sapien. So in and yet they call them yeah, less human, exactly. even though it's the exactly. exact opposite. It's I mean, human being Homo sapien. It, ju- it just shows it. It breeds ignorance. Right? Racism is is bred by ignorance. Well, that's what I was wondering because, like I said, I talked to a lot of people from like the the southern U.S. and stuff. Not mm-hmm. to be super specific, but a lot of the people who I meet who reject evolution are also very racist. Mm. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe if we taught more about that, mm-hmm. about the origins of, you know, whatever you want to call it, not skin color, like, it's yeah. discriminating against t- tanning. Like, yeah, that's and ridiculous. Can, and you can't argue with genetics either. Mm. I've, I've got a question for you, Ken. Yes. Um, um, th- I was watching a, a documentary about this stuff happening in Germany. Mm-hmm. Now, Germany... Um, Angela Merkel famously said uh, several years ago, multiculturalism does not work. Mm -hmm. They were trying the multiculturalism experiment pretty much while we're trying here in Canada. And for them, they did not like it. It doesn't, there's a vast segment of population doesn't seem to approve of it, unlike here in Canada. So, um, but on the other hand, they've embraced their history and the dark side of their history as well. And what I mean is in Germany, for example, you'll see signs where you'll see signs that, you know, like a uh, proclamation from Hitler just to show kids that, for example, the Jews weren't allowed here in 1946. They're not hiding it like we have a tendency to hide our history. Kids know very little about our history and some of the mistakes we've made. Germany has embraced them, teaching the kids, don't make the mistakes we did back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's kind of a dichotomy of thought here. The, the, the multiculturalism the seem, experiment seems to have failed in Germany, mm-hmm. yet it's happening here do you think in canada to be a great thing for us to uh, maybe accept our history as well and do something similar i mean we do have some the, the koshiyama maru the, the boat there and we do have a, a long history uh, against the natives well, uh, and like the concentration camp thingies we for the japanese, japanese yeah. the right to vote the right to vote mm-hmm. i mean th- these are uh, it'd be interesting if we actually put it out in plain sight mm-hmm. how the Canadian public the old soul politically correct Canadian public would react to that. What do you think? Well, I think multiculturalism is not failing in Canada. I think we're doing... You no, know, no, we're totally doing good. Yeah, we're doing good. I think overall it's... Um, but we do have struggles. But oh. I think it's... You know, people generally are very good to each other. You know, it, but there's room for improvement. Definitely. Uh, I'll know he's looking at me again when I'm saying <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've come a long ways in, you know, when the right to vote didn't see that. Seen some of the stories of people, how far they went to... You know, create that conversation, and you know, so I, I and and women as well, right? It's just not just, oh yeah, you know, a lot a lot of people don't know the uh, last province to uh, allow women to vote was actually my home province of Quebec, to my great shame, was nineteen forty eight. It's not actually that long ago, mm. right? So, multiculturalism in Canada, I think, has has a great future, and I think it's doing well. I just think it cycling for diversity has a very good role in just saying, you know what, keep the message and awareness alive that it's a great thing. Perfect. You know, it's good to have friends from all over the world, and I, and I think if we reject multiculturalism, I think that um, as a country, we're you know, it just well, I think it's part of the social fabric now. I don't think we're, there's no way in hell we're going to start rejecting that now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And we'll do more into that right after this. You can pick it on next one. You are listening to CIVL one hundred one point seven FM at the University of the Fraser Valley's Abbotsford campus. Serving the surrounding communities of Abbotsford, Mission, and Chilliwack, British Columbia. Follow us on Facebook. Click like on CIVL Radio. Follow CIVL on Twitter at CIVL underscore radio. Email us at info at CIVL.ca. Reach us with telecommunication devices at 604-851-6307.
Welcome to your KPE 360 Health Minute. In an increasingly sedentary society, we need to stay on top of our daily physical activity. Here are some quick tips to get active and stay active during a busy semester. UFB offers classes that will motivate and introduce you to new ways of exercise through activities such as Pilates, yoga, and Zumba. Prices and schedules can be found on our UFB Cascades website. However, if you need to get your daily dose of activity off of campus, your UPass grants you free access to the Abbotsford, Matsqui, and Chilliwack Recreation Centers. Make sure you stop by their front desks to grab the drop-in fitness class schedule. Although if being outside is more your style, you can enjoy beautiful BC scenery by hiking. Check out VancouverTrails.com to see a list of hiking trails in your area. In the end, make sure you remember to take a break from sitting at a desk all day to get up and be active. That was your KPE 360 Health Minute. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. This is Troy Baker, the voice of Italian from Shadow of Mordor, here at Emerald City Comic Con, telling you to tune in to listening to the movies, the show that plays classic hits from great film and video game soundtracks every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Pacific on 101.7 Civil Radio and on www.civil.ca. And we're back. My dear, you came here with Ken not knowing what kind of environment you'd find yourself into. <laughs> and we've barely dwelled into you, so we're going to turn the spotlight on you now. Give us the lowdown on how you became tangled in this <laughs> wonderful uh, adventure. Well, it started um, just by me sending messages to Ken on Facebook of my interest to start with um, Cycling for Diversity. And Facebook is the blame again, huh? Yes, yes. Darn and uh, with that, he brought me a t-shirt that night and... There hasn't been a single night where we haven't been talking or seeing each other, so I jumped on board right from the very beginning. And your position in the whole scheme of things, if you'll forgive my, my phrase here, well, what, what exactly do you do in the organization? Well, I'm the executive director, so I help you know book the schools and any other events we do. We do stuff like um, uh, uh, Mission Fest, Abbey Fest. We visit the prisons on top of the schools. Um, you know, there's a lot of other places that invite us to come join us, and we've also been asked to go abroad as well. So, so uh, the adage of that behind every great man there's a woman rolling her eyes is quite literally <laughs> true here, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or shaking her hand. <laughs> I mean, or shaking her hand. It's like, oh, what are you doing? So, what, what are the, so you guys have been invited to go abroad? You say? Yes. Like how far abroad? Africa. Really? India. Wow! Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. Are you guys having making plans to go there? We will be, yes. Mm-hmm. Not by bike, obviously. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Biking on a boat for quite a while. Mm. Well, the, you know, the message is not just here in the Lower Mainland. It's throughout the world, right, about diversity. You know, you know what is diversity? When we talk to the kids, when we go to school, and I ask, what does diversity mean? So all these kids put their hands up, and the first thing that often gets said is differences. Like, we're different. You know, we're different. And then I try to change it a little bit instead of focusing on differences, actually we have a lot more similarities and try to focus on similarities between the kids because, um, you know, differences is fine, but it's at that age I think it's important how to share in similarities as well. And the three concepts to come up with, to, I think, that help diversity make it work better because, okay, diversity, okay, how are we going to make it work better? There's three concepts. Jep, I call it, so... Um, so being gentle, when okay. we're gentle with each other, we actually listen to each other. Like, this is how we're doing here today. This is a very gentle, well, I'm a gentle atmosphere, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're gentle, it's we, all, we listen to each other, right? And then it's, um, uh, what's the other one? We're equal. We're all equal. 
no one's better no religion is one better or if you believe in religion or if you don't or whatever it's we're all equal right yeah they're all equally false exactly <laughs> yeah. and uh balances look at your balances like do you have uh people in your life that are from different perspectives and cultures and countries and uh, you know, Include them into your life. And that's what diversity is. If we can practice all three concepts, I think you're practicing diversity because unfortunately a lot of people aren't. You know, they say, oh, I, I'm, I believe in diversity. Yeah, I, I believe in it. But yeah, look at their Facebook friends. They've got like, okay, like 300 friends. More than half of them will be from the same culture mm. or whatever. And that's fine too. But, you know, that's not how from the generation we were brought up here in Canada, we were taught by our parents my dad came in the 50s and said, you know, um, there's a sense of um, also, um, you know, including everybody to come to your school. I mean, everybody come to your home. Not just your South Asian friends or Asian friends or whatever. Mm. Everybody, you know, include everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. But on what's happening here also is, you know, as the community is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, all the communities are growing, um, except, you know, our multicultural communities. We see uh, in the sporting thing, like, yes, like, you know, South Asians will have their own leagues um, and own hockey teams where they all play together against, okay, we're going to play against the white people. And, 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 you know, and, and, you know, and I understand it's an innocent fun and everything like that, but what happens is that goes on, the mm-hmm. cycle goes on and on. It carries outside. Yes, right? yes. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I go to restaurants, I you know, it, it, yeah, so that's... It's 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 astounding to me. You talk about South Asian and sports. Uh, South Asian population around here adopted hockey in a fantastic way. Yes. I mean, they're huge hockey fans. A lot of people don't know that. There's a huge follow of the the, the, the Canadian Hockey League or the National League, I should say, by the South Asian population. And you, you hear them on the radio. <laughs> they're they're as thrilled as you know soccer fans are down south. Yeah. Um, but yet. Like you said, you know, you have just a group of South Asian or the the whites will play with the whites. Uh, and the other aspect that's also interesting about this is cuisine, for example. None of us discriminate uh, going to eat Indian food mm-hmm. or Vietnamese food. But yet, for some reason, when it comes to a relationship with people, we don't seem to have that same openness. Mm. Yeah. So. Well, there's a lot of people promoting things that are just flat out false. Like, I spend a lot of time arguing with idiots on Facebook and they show me all these different studies and stuff that show there are you know racial differences with things like IQ and mm. I've seen a lot of people post that and there was one in particular where they took a whole bunch of poor black people and did IQ tests on them and then they took a whole bunch of wealthy white people and did IQ tests on them and said look black people are dumber than white people I'm like no mm. poor people are dumber than people who have money for school you idiot mm. and people intentionally do studies like that to support their own biases and try to support their racism and if people would just realize that racism is stupid and it doesn't make any scientific sense whatsoever well it's an invented concept right we invented this concept of race mm. because like the like we said the, the human genome project uh, there is just one human race right now as we speak there was more than one in the past but they're they're extinct now there is just one human race now there's even scientists some scientists who have tried to put forward this idea that there are these racial like Q differences and stuff, and and I, I suggest checking out the Skeptics Dictionary. Just type in racial IQ, and there's a whole bunch of different links that you can also find where people do stupid studies like that. But science says that there is no race that is superior to another race, but people keep trying to say that there is, which is why racism is ridiculous. So, well, it's like that line in South Pacific: you have to be taught to hate. If you put a bunch of kids together and they're different racial, different cultural groups. They're going to play, and they're going to have the little spats, but they're going to play, and they're going to accept each other. The older they get, and they notice the differences, and if parents reinforce the differences, that's where your program is going to come in handy because yeah. you're trying to perhaps undo uh, some of the the, you know, the biases that they're, they're learning. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's wonderful to get into the schools. The younger the kids are, they can understand that diversity is a good thing mm-hmm. and, and go along with it, the, the, the better they are. So, you know, I'm glad you've been here since 2011. I hope you keep going yeah. forever, you know. Is there a way that you can, like, track 
progress or anything? Like, I don't know if we have racial stati- like racism statistics that we can track to see if it's actually going down. Like you mean so if the message for cycling for diversity is actually casual? Well, or anything that we're doing, like different programs and stuff. That's why I said we you need know, to... It, it, Keep going. I think one of the most important things we need to realize is, first of all, nobody's born a racist. And I think, you know, it needs to start at home. Diversity needs to be learned at home to start with. And the reason why I say that is a couple years ago, we went to a school and um, I wasn't with the team at this time. And Dr. Bill McGregor decided that he was going to break the kids up for the areas that they were sitting in and he had a a couple kids move and introduce themselves now the next year when we went back I was with the team and the young girl gets up and says can I have the microphone I'd like to tell a story she explains who the person was she was looking for and I told her who he was and she says I really wish he was here today because I would like to give him the biggest hug in the world she says I was taught at home that I should only hang out with white kids that I shouldn't hang out with colored kids because that was not acceptable in my family and she goes and to this day the young girl that he introduced me to who happened to be a South Asian girl um, they're best friends and she says there's not a day goes by that if they're not together they're on the phone So she said that he taught her a very valuable lesson and that she realized what her parents had taught her was wrong and that she wanted to continue to spread our message. Well, and that's the problem is we can't legislate that. Like, there's so many idiot parents out there that there's nothing we can do about it. But that's why I was saying that we should be teaching these kids about the evolution of races at a very young age because then they'll actually see that they're just slightly more tan than you or slightly less tan than you and maybe that would actually do it because i'm not gonna leave it to the parents because well, everybody's yeah. more tan than me that's for sure i'm like an alto with shoes racism <laughs> is not just between different groups it's also within groups you know like oh yeah that's right that's you quite know true. it's not just like uh you know the community i come from there's different caste systems levels of people and you know and people just have these weird you know i've hey, got you know i've got a very good example of that myself being francophone yeah. you would think as a caucasian man in north america i you never feel the sting of racism but i do and on a regular basis especially when you hear americans how they talk about the french now i'm not french from france obviously but i see it every day i mean i've even seen uh uh pictures uh, you're talking like advertisement for a company like subway you know, and they had a chicken with a, the, the hat of Napoleon on it and saying French chicken. Somehow French and chicken, it kind of goes together, we think. This is horrible. I mean, I'm not, I'm not f- French from France, but I was offended by that nonetheless, just as, just as being not just f- French-Canadian, but just as a, as a human person, right? And to see this kind of racism, it, you're right. It's not just within different shades of humans. It's also within the same shade. Oh, that's more prejudice than racist, right? Because, yeah, it's not. Okay, fair enough. French isn't exactly a race. It's kind of like the whole Muslim thing when people talk about. I'm like, I know white Muslims. Muslim is not a race. That's true. You know, when you look at the early South Asian pioneers who came to this country and some of the struggles they did, you know, there was a real great um, effort to integrate into society. Mm. When you look at, you know, when Dad came in the 50s and the people before that, they really want to be part of the greater community. And the greater community accepted them, actually. People think, oh, well, people hated everybody back then. There was actually a lot of love. My, you know, when my dad came, he goes, you know what? Wow, we got a new East Indian person in Mission. When he came to Mission in 1952, he goes, we have a new East Indian uh, person from India I- into the community. So everybody would invite him to their homes, and the homes were, you know, open. And That's there fantastic. Was actually, there was a lot of love, too. We, we always hear the hate, right? Of course, yeah. But there was actually a lot of love, too. And people said, you know, the doors are always open. They're, oh, people were always fed. Nobody, you know, just that's how it was back then, right? Nobody had locks or alarms, or, <laughs> you know. But now it's a different society today, right? It's a closed society. Everything's always, right? Yeah. We're getting more and more like that. Do you ever think we'll ever beat that tribalist mentality that we seem to be ingrained with? Yeah, well. We're working on it, right? You know what? <laughs> we're honored to carry the message in our logo, and, and I see people wearing our T-shirts and supporting our message. You know, it's, you know, we're, we're just honored to do it and you know it's uh, I was only going to do the one riot in 2011 but people say you know what this this needs to be discussed UFE supports us in a big way they have so uh, excellent and, points uh, for U of E yeah <laughs> so, so so as many other you know universities in the lower mainland they you know when they hear cycling for diversity they get a good response right so so what do you tell people because I'm sure you bump I mean I even have a member of my own family mm-hmm. 
that are very conservative and they're racist and bigots. Mm-hmm. Do they also reject evolution? Uh, yeah, they're not sure. No, oh. they're, they're trying to support my point here. Not yeah, helping. yeah, they're they're Christians, right? So, well, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I was having this argument with uh, a member of my family. I was going to go unnamed, but uh, she said essentially um, she was afraid of becoming a minority in her own country. Mm. And I said to her, "Well, why are you afraid of becoming a minority? Are minority ill-treated here?" And she said, "No. Then why are you afraid to become a minority?" But of course she was lying, because she knew full well that minorities are not necessarily treated the same way as everybody else. Yeah. So I, I think I think you need a lot of introspect when you start saying these kind of things. But I'm sure you bump into a lot of people that say these kind of things. Oh, say, you know, old people come over here, they don't learn the language. What, what, do, you, what do you answer to something like that? Well, I usually take a deep breath first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's um, it all depends on the person I'm talking to. Okay. You know, that has a big thing, right? You know, if I'm... if I, You tailor your answer. Yeah. Like, if it's... it's up, every answer is a little different because if a person sometimes doesn't understand, sometimes a lack of understanding, clear lack of understanding. So if I come up hard, it's just going to make it worse. And usually I try not to come too hard because mm. it just makes it worse, yeah. right? Conflict, conflict, just leads to more conflict, right? So just try to... Tell people that, you know, sometimes everybody's life experience is a little different than everybody else's, right? We don't know this person's life experience, why they may not know English, right? You know, they may just, you know, so it's... First of all, let's let's just say learning a new language is not easy. Exactly, right? It's not easy. Right, and um, as being the, as people say, uh, the figurehead of diversity, I have got to understand people, right? We've got to understand, like, how is this working, right? This is, um, uh, he knows some language, so... Isn't that pretty good? I think it's done pretty good, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be English. Like, that's a problem here. Like, if you don't know English, you're a second-class citizen. Yeah. That is wrong. Well, it's interesting because, um, and I guess this is part of of discrimination and and prejudice and racism, is that if someone comes to our country and doesn't learn our language, then we immediately think, oh, they're lazy, they don't want to be a part of it, we're going to pick on them. But if we go to another country and we're older and we have problems picking up another language, like Punjabi or Chinese or whatever it is, and it's, oh, well, that language is so difficult, and why don't they learn English to make it easier Mm, for me? It's so you know egocentric that you know you're going to pick on people here that don't pick up the language but if you go someplace else there's a hundred different excuses and people just don't seem to realize that's all part you can of go it. to quebec and yeah. if you don't speak french very well a lot of them will treat you like crap oh well, yeah i mean there should be support well, you and people, i on that i'm trying to attack kevin it, it could so. be easier for people to get support to learn i i was uh, reading or listening to the radio a couple of years ago about immigrants coming to this country and how difficult it is for them to go into classes because the class Classes aren't are over are, are are full, and there's often a waiting list of a year or two to get into an English class. Mm-hmm. So you can't really, um, you know, say to the person, "Well, they're not making the effort to learn. We're not making the effort to make it easier and English for them." Is, to and English is one of the most so. complicated languages it for is, people to yeah. learn as a second. Can we just get Russell Peters to come to like high schools <laughs> and stuff? I love Russell Peters. Anyway, I got to jump in here because we're coming to the end of our show. Ken, uh, you guys are doing great work. Uh, feel free to plug yourself in right now if people want to find out more about what you guys are doing, where they go. You can send us an email at cycling with the number four diversity at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook with Cycling for Diversity Foundation. Mm-hmm. And we're also on Twitter at cycle for diversity. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, guys, for being with us on the show. Thanks, Kevin. Feel free to come back whenever you want. Thank you all. Uh, You guys can find us at uh, leftofthevalley.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Coming up, we'll have Tracy Harris on our next show. From the Atheist Experience, we'll also have a Sasquatch Hunter. That should be fun. Now, stay tuned for Jazz and Blues on 101.7 FM. Guys, thank you so much. Until next time. Take a picture. People can reach the conclusion that all non-believers are evil What a f***ed up statement Do you realize what you're saying? But according to your book, this is how your God made me Skeptical of anything that contradicts history Denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery I'd rather see the truth than to bask in my own ignorance Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots As long as there's a breath in my 